Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. 21. Can you do something for me? How about 21 in the win column in the month of August? And what better way to wrap up the month of extra innings right here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. I'm Curtis Rogers with you for the next couple hours as we talk some Mariners baseball until 9 p.m. tonight. We've got a lot of illustrious guests coming your way. Brandon Gustin, our top secret special guest, will be with us at 7.15. Also, at 8 o'clock, the Graz, the Graz father, he'll stop by to give his thoughts on this Mariners ball club after the best month that they have had in franchise history. Uh, And it could not have come at a more opportune time, especially with the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros not uh, taking advantage of the Mariners uh, heading into the month when they were so down. And now all of a sudden uh, we've got a just about a deadlock atop the American League West heading into the season's final month, gearing up for an incredible month of baseball uh, across Major League Baseball, but especially here in Seattle with so much on the line. And uh, what better way to get into it than to give you some three up, three down as we do each and every edition of Extra Innings. And the first thing I am up on is another bat in the Mariners lineup not named Julio Rodriguez and this one might be just as hot uh in terms of power numbers in terms of OPS and that'd be Teoscar Hernandez swung on club left field hammered it's on its way into the A's bullpen brand new ball game Teos slugs another a three-run home run and we are tied Stay hot, Teoscar Hernandez, sizzling in August. That's a serious blast. You look at Teoscar Hernandez's numbers in the last month. Uh, according to baseball reference, in the last four weeks of play, he has a 370 batting average, a 402 on base, a 670 slugging percentage, good for an OPS of 1072, seven home runs, 22 runs driven in, nine doubles, 37 hits. I mean, he has been almost as hot as Julio Rodriguez has been uh, over the course of the last four weeks. Uh, maybe not to the eye-popping numbers that, that Julio has had, but you look at the number of hits that Julio has over the last 28 days, 43. Uh, Teoscar's charting right behind him at just 37. So, uh, I mean, these guys have been just – they've been equally hot over this stretch, and – Yes, you wonder where would the Mariners be at this point in the season without Julio's blistering month of August. But you can ask that same question about Teoscar Hernandez, too. And and I think Teoscar Hernandez has also, rightfully so, uh, really caused Mariners fans and maybe even the Mariners themselves to maybe reconsider what they plan on doing with him this offseason. He is set to be an unrestricted free agent if the Mariners uh, you know, do offer him that qualifying offer. If he declines it, he can sign with any team that he wants. You know, looking at the season's first couple months, it, it wasn't a for sure thing that they were going to give him that qualifying offer because of how slow of a start to the season he got. But right now, I mean, 
we asked the question, where would the Mariners be without Julio? Where would they be without Teoscar over the course of the last month? This is the Teoscar that we were promised when the Mariners made that trade with the Toronto Blue Jays in the offseason, a guy that could lift you know, everybody on the roster for an extended period of time, and that's exactly what he's done over the course of the last month. Uh, you know, the the... It's a given that Julio is going to be named American League Player of the Month. We'll probably get that news over the next couple of days. But Teoscar Hernandez probably might finish like second or third in that voting. And what a luxury it is to have two of the hottest bats in all of baseball uh, basically batting you know, within a couple of spots of each other in this Mariners lineup, a lineup that has really taken off here in the season's second half. So that is the first thing I am up on. That is Teoscar Hernandez with this Mariners ball club. The first thing I'm down on, though, these nagging injuries. And last year we saw nagging injuries uh, keep Julio out of the lineup for uh, basically a month's worth of games. He only played 132 games in his rookie season, so he missed 30 games in total a year ago. He has largely avoided them until now, dealing with that left foot soreness that pulled him out of the game uh, prior, shortly prior to Tuesday's first pitch, and he has not been back in the lineup since. Now, I understand giving him that extra day off on Wednesday because you have the travel day Thursday before playing again on Friday, giving him an extra day off. But my hope is that he will not be out of this Mets series. My hope is that he'll be back in this Mariners lineup tomorrow. Uh, we'll hear more, hopefully, over the course of the next you know 24 hours or so. But Julio Rodriguez, that nagging injury in his foot right now, uh, that is a concern to me. It really is because we saw last year how you know these nagging injuries can kind of pile up and keep him out of the lineup for extended periods of time. You hope that's not the case, especially as rosters expand in, in the start of September. I mean, there's only, what, 29 games left? There's 29 games left in this regular season. The Mariners need all of their horses uh, to be able to make it to the postseason again. Uh, another nagging injury is Ty Francis because we've seen him deal with wrist and elbow injuries a lot over the course uh, of the last couple of seasons. Uh, that wrist injury last year really messed with his swing in the second half of the season. We've seen him deal with elbow injuries too. Uh, he took that ball off of his wrist in Tuesday night's game, had to leave the game. He was back on Wednesday, um, but you do kind of wonder, is that something that could end up having an impact on him? Hopefully not, uh, but it is definitely worth a look for the Mariners team to be like, eh, Ty, you okay? Are you okay? Well, speaking of nagging injuries or injuries, uh, the next thing that I am up on is a guy who suffered an injury earlier this season that has kept him out of the lineup for the better part of the last month. And that's Jared Kelnick. And Jared Kelnick has reported to AAA Tacoma for his rehab assignment. He is scheduled to play for the Rainiers tonight in his first action since fracturing his foot uh, all those weeks ago uh, when he kicked the Gatorade cooler, as we all know. I mean, who hasn't heard that story yet? It, it is just a, 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 base, a classic baseball injury. Uh, Jared Kelnick coming back to this Mariners lineup, I think, adds it, it lengthens it lengthens it even further in a month where they have had a slugging percentage up near like 500 and their team OPS is over 800 and uh, like you could not ask for a better addition this late in the season gone are the August 31st you know waiver wire trade deadline like you don't have to worry about that anymore so where do you find these additions late into the season 
This is the Mariners' edition, is when Jared Kelnick comes back to the lineup. Uh, When he went down, he was still among their most productive bats. Him and Julio were were right there. Uh, Teoscar hadn't really taken off, and and Teoscar was a guy who everybody kind of pointed to and said, that's somebody that needs to step up in, in Jared Kelnick's absence. Well, Kelnick is just around the corner from returning. I would imagine... Probably within a week or two, we're going to see him up with the Mariners. So that should be something to keep an eye on. So I am up on Jared Kelnick's impending return and the kind of lift that he could give this Mariners offense. Uh, an offense that doesn't really even need a lift, but it is less concern uh, You know, going with him over guys who have not played in, in at the big league level for an extended period of time, guys like Cade Marlowe and Dominic Canzone. What I am down on, the second thing I'm down on, is I'm looking at these standings in the American League. I'm looking at all these teams that are jockeying for position for playoff spots, and none of them really stand out to me. I I look at the Orioles. They're dealing with their fair share of injuries. Uh, Felix Bautista is currently shelved right now with with a UCL injury. You've got the Rays dealing with all sorts of injuries in their starting rotation. Uh, obviously, the loss of Wander Franco. Uh, I can't imagine he'll be back this season. The Blue Jays with Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman both on the injured list. And then you look at the American League West. The Rangers are in a free fall. The Astros, all of a sudden, they've won five in a row heading into Thursday. Uh, you got to kind of pay attention to what they're doing. But again, they haven't really asserted themselves as the best team in the American League West. In fact, they have not held the outright lead in the American League West at any point this season. And it has been the Rangers for the most part of the year. The Mariners, they le- they leapfrogged both Texas and Houston. So does Houston have what it takes to be that team that we all have seen them be over the last you know half decade or so. Uh, Texas, I mean, they're in a free fall. You look in the AL Central, it's probably Minnesota's division to lose at this point. They've got some good pitching, but, I mean, just 69 and 65 on the season, if they were in any other division, they would be in fourth place. <laughs> For real, though. Uh, in the American League East, the fourth-place team is the Boston Red Sox at 69 and 65. And in the AL West, the fourth-place team is the LA Angels at 64 and 70. Uh, the AL Central's best team would be fourth place in either the West or the East. So you don't really have to concern yourself with the Twins at all until the postseason starts. But how about those Mariners? I mean, best offense in baseball right now, a a tremendous pitching staff. You've got three incredible starting pitchers right now. All three of them are in the top five in whip in the American League with Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert. I mean, maybe, just maybe, the Mariners can take advantage of a down AL right now. And one thing I'm up on, Speaking of the American League, is that AL West? Because I think of those three teams, the Mariners, Astros, and Rangers, I think one of those three teams, whoever comes out on top and gets that automatic buy to the divisional round, I feel like that team might have the best shot at reaching the World Series in the American League because they're just going to be so battle-tested, especially the Mariners. Their final 10 games of the season all are against the Astros and Rangers. Uh, You've got the Astros and Rangers playing head-to-head a few times as well over the course of the season's final month. Uh, Whoever wins that bloodbath between those three teams, I feel like could have the best shot at reaching 
the World Series from the American League. It's not the same as it is in the National League where you've got the Dodgers and Braves so far out in front of everybody. It feels like they're on a collision course for the World Series. But uh, in the American League, I feel like the AL West is going to be the division that probably has the World Series representative come from there. Uh, The final thing I'm down on sticking with the AL West is the Angels just simply throwing up the white flag, putting everybody that they acquired the trade deadline on – waivers, Lucas Giolito, you've got Randall Grichuk, you've got Hunter Renfro, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, what are you doing, Angels? Now, that is to the benefit of everybody else in the American League, but you look at these teams that are ahead of the Mariners in the waiver wire, which the Mariners have, I believe, the fifth lowest spot uh, of any team in baseball. So it's not incredibly likely that any of those guys will fall to the Mariners. Uh, I just, the Angels... What are you doing? You gave up the farm for all these guys, and you got four weeks of play out of them before you're like, all right, that's it. I mean, you have – I just cannot see a world in which Shohei Otani resigns with the Angels. Now, that's to the benefit of the Mariners, especially if Otani, A, leaves the division in the AL West, B, leaves the American League altogether, and C, heck, maybe even signs with the Mariners. Who knows how that play, how that's going to play out. Uh, but that is what I'm three up and three down on to start this Thursday evening. And when we return, Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com makes his triumphant return to the 715 spot. We'll talk about this blazing hot Mariners team coming up next. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. It's 715, so you know what time it is. It's time for a top-secret special guest. And it's none other than Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com who makes his triumphant return to Extra Innings. Brandon, so great to hear from you. So so great to be in your presence here in studio tonight. Uh, boy, this month of August has been just... You, you're expecting to win every time the Mariners play. And it, it is... I mean, over the course of my fandom and over the course of my history watching this team... That's hardly ever been the case. <laughs> the fact that they won more games in a single month than any month from the 2001 Mariners team that won 116 games in MLB record is astounding. And it was just top to bottom. Like the starting rotation continued to just be dominant. Your best hitters finally turned around. You got contributions from the bottom of your lineup and and just kind of like fringe contributors. And then the bullpen, you they kind of figured it out. They it, for a little bit without Paul Seawald, we were kind of waiting to see what would happen in the eighth, ninth inning, and it didn't always go the best. They somehow kind of found ways to win still at the beginning, but that now they've really kind of solidified things and just top to bottom, one through 26, they're playing as good a baseball as any team in, in, in Major League Baseball. And I believe in their losses in the month of August, I think there was only one, and it may have been on August 1st, where they didn't have a chance to either tie or win the ball game in their final at bat, which is wild to think. Like they were in every single game that they played. They haven't lost a game by more than two runs since July. Yeah, I mean, even the even the game that they lost to the A's where they just couldn't get anything going offensively. You had second and third with, with Gino Suarez up with two outs in the ninth. Like you still felt really good about their chances. Uh, I mean, and and again, like we're, I know so much of our focus this month has been on the hitting because for the first three plus months of the season, it was a struggle to, to put it lightly. <laughs> like it was just like, oh, my gosh, when are any of these big bats going to contribute? And then the floodgates opened and they all contributed at a super high clip. And obviously we're going to focus on that. But 
just the fact that the pitching has been this good all yeah. season long is unbelievable. And that's where it all starts because, y- you know, they finally, the, the bats finally click, the, but the pitching has given them a chance to win every single timeout. And that's kind of what you, you're, you're kind of alluding to there with that they could tie it in the at bats that, you know, even in those games that they lose, they're only in those situations because of their pitching. Like whether it's Brian Wu coming back from injury, uh, Emerson Hancock, even in, in those first two starts before he got hurt, definitely kept them in those games too. Like, just again, one through twenty-six, this team is clicking. And but again, it, it all starts with the pitching. You mentioned how great the pitching has been, and and I think in the early portion of the season, a lot of us were kind of wondering, like, what will this team look like if the bats ever get going? And <laughs> we find out that when the bats get going, they're unbeatable. Yeah, against <laughs> with paired with this Mariners pitching staff, they are a godlike force uh, in in the American League. Uh, putting up 21 wins, having two separate eight-game win streaks in the month. I want to talk about this offense with you, Brandon, and I let off the show uh, in the first segment talking about Teoscar Hernandez because I feel like his production in the month of August gets kind of lost in the shuffle with how great Julio has been. Right, Teoscar in the last four weeks only has six fewer hits than Julio, <laughs> so it, it – it, Julio has obviously, you know, stolen the headlines across Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's going to be player of the month. But, like, Teoscar is right there with him in terms of production. Oh, it's unbelievable. If you're OPSing over 1,000 for a single month of the the year, you're you're doing some really good things. And, boy, it's interesting because you look at his season so far, and April and May were obvious struggles. And then he was on fire for June. And it was kind of like, oh, he's starting to click. Like, what's that going to be like? And then July was just terrible for him. But uh, he's he's one of those guys that, that can just carry an offense. I think they have three, maybe four guys that can just kind of do that single-handedly for a week. And Julio's obviously one of them. Gino Suarez is the other. I think Teo absolutely can. And even Cal Raleigh can, too. Like, those four guys are fully capable of just putting a team on their back for a series a week at a time. And, and with Teoscar, like, you look at yesterday's game in particular, three-run home run, just an absolute missile out to left field. And then he basically kind of saved the game with that with that assist from right field. And and I believe he's number one or top three, top five in Major League Baseball in outfield assists this year. Like, that's an underrated part of his game, too. So he's impacting the game in a lot of ways. I think is you know, you, you hear them talk about it all the time, like swing decisions. Like, he is the kind of epitome of that of late, I think, even more so than Julio because – Teoscar's always been a free swinger. He doesn't walk a lot. He strikes out a ton. He swings and misses a ton. But it feels like when he's getting those pitches that he's actually looking for and he's getting them a lot more of late, like he's not missing them at all. And that's kind of true for the whole lineup. Like there are very few instances where guys are missing their mistakes. And that's definitely shown in just the amount of runs and the home runs and the extra base hits and the slug that these guys are putting up right now. Joined now in studio by Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. And Brandon, sticking with Teo, the big question mark around his season has been what do the Mariners do with him after the year because he's set to be an unrestricted free agent if he declines the qualifying offer that uh, I feel like the Mariners probably are leaning towards giving him especially (laughs) Especially after August (laughs) what what do you do with with Teoscar after this season because uh, he's he's obviously going to be heading into his mid-30s he's not getting any younger but I mean that bat, as we've seen here in August, can can carry a team uh, for quite a sustained period of time, and and also scanning over the free agent market this off season. I mean, it's pretty scarce. Yeah, who, <laughs> who else lot. in the outfield is there besides like you know 
I think Cody Bellinger might be the best yeah, bat and, available. But it's in the, a, this is a team that probably doesn't need more left-handed yeah. bats. So that's the other part of it, too, when you're looking at, at trying to build this roster out for the foreseeable future outside of Julio, you know, and maybe like just Dylan Moore being a utility guy. They don't really have an, a right-handed outfielder or a right-handed corner outfielder that can come and be a long-term fit. And it's it's clear that Teo <laughs> can be a fit. And, and yeah, it took a little bit, but if it's something where now he's just so comfortable, right? And obviously, it's very clear he and Julio like playing with each other. He's played a better defensive right field than I think he gets credit for. I mean, we're, just the pace he's on right now, he's on track to basically put up the numbers he's putting up in Toronto every single year, aided largely by this month of August. Like, that's that's the kind of guy that he can be long-term. So you absolutely throw the qualifying offer on him, um, just at the very least. And, and, I mean, ideally, he seems like a guy that if you could get him for a two- or three-year deal, you do it. But we see with free agency all the time, guys end up getting probably a year or two more than they probably should, but that's just the nature of the business. Right. And, and again, like the need for a premier right-handed power bat uh, to play outfield is, is really big for the Mariners. And, you know, you don't want to be going into another off season, trying to figure out what you're doing in the corner outfield. You're (laughs) uh, like, it seems like maybe second base is like at least somewhat not solidified, but just with, with Josh Rojas and Caballero, like you'd feel at least, like okay going into next season with those two but you can't go into next season with another question mark in the outfield because right now if you let Teo walk you're looking at Julio and then three lefties with Kelnick Marlowe and Dom Canzone who all have had just kind of differing just overall MLB experiences not a ton of games but also just differing levels of MLB success and track record so far let's get to the pitching side of things and one of the biggest question marks in the month was the the status of the bullpen right and, and just kind of how are they going to finish out games once the starting pitcher handed it over to the bullpen it feels like they've kind of settled into topa brash then munoz uh what's your confidence level in that trio right now as we head into september right i mean with, with munoz i think he's just been so good especially of late <laughs> he 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 had his bumps for sure once once seawald left it took him a few games, took him like a week, week and a half for for it to kind of solidify. But since then, he's been the the otherworldly type of force that we've come to expect. I I have more confidence right now in Topa than Brash, just because we've seen Brash have some kind of blow up outings and with the kind of stuff he has, but the lack of command that can be a little bit of an issue. But Justin Topa has been so good. I mean, he's a three pitch guy. He throws one of the heaviest balls. It's so hard to barrel up. It's so hard to to just get that into the gaps, get it over the fence. Like he's, he's somebody who can be really good in these late situations, especially if he's coming in inheriting a guy on, on base, you need the double play ball. Like he's the guy I think you go to in that situation, but Brash's swing and miss stuff is just ridiculous. You're going to have to turn to that guy in these key situations. And for, and for a reason, I mean, very few guys, Tony Kemp kind found of, out the right. Exactly. Way. <laughs> oh my gosh. He got <laughs> drilled into the ground. Like Jose Ramirez on opening day it was, is insane. So, yeah, I mean, th- those three, it- it's hard to find, you know, at that many teams that have that kind of a trio at the back end of their bullpen. And-, and it's kind of interesting to think about, like, even with Paul Sewald gone, you look at the Astros, they have some bullpen questions outside of Ryan Presley. They, for whatever reason, they don't like using Ryan Stanek a ton, even though he's just nasty. I don't understand why. But then you look at the Rangers yesterday, yeah, bullpen, bullpen. bullpen gives it away, Ooh. and then their best guy comes in, Chapman, and plunks the first guy he sees, and it's a, <laughs> it's a walk-off hit by pitch, right? So it, when, it comes to, when it comes to October baseball, it's, it's pitching and it's home runs, right? And with this Mariners team and 
you know, you're probably going to a three, maybe four-man rotation. Just the ability to shorten games and get it to your best arms. Like, that's that's why the Mariners should scare the daylights out of all of these teams in the American League right now because they're better equipped for October baseball just because of the pitching side than any other team that's in the American League. He's Brandon Gustin. You can read him at seattlesports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBGustin. Brandon, what do you guys got going on on the site uh, oh, over, over the uh, upcoming weekend? Here? Yeah, I mean, obviously so much focus on this Mariners team. It's so fun. Looking ahead to the Seahawks, they start, uh, they you know, week one's next weekend, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, and then, you know, college football up here. UW kicks off against Boise State. We got Wazoo. That'll be on our airwaves here at Bonneville. So it's, a, it's an exciting weekend for sure. Saturday's going to be a lot of fun. Follow Brandon on Twitter. Read him at seattlesports.com. Listen to him throughout the week on all the stations. But his best hit of the week is right here at 715. 715 Extra Mariners innings. off base, baby. Let's go, Brandon. Really appreciate you stopping yeah, by. Yeah, you bet, see, Roger. Still to come in this hour, we hear from Ryan Roland-Smith, who joined me on the postgame show yesterday. But up next, David Schoenfield of ESPN and ESPN.com. He stopped by with Stacy Rost and myself earlier this week to talk about this red-hot Mariners team how does he see them from the Nationals' perspective that he has? We take a listen to that conversation right around the break on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Base is loaded. The pitch to JP. Swung on. Line drive. Left field base hit. Scoring from third base is Canzone. Being waved. Caballero. The throw home. He slides. He is safe. The Mariners have taken the lead. J.P. Crawford coming through huge for the M's. He's been massive all season long, and he's given the Mariners the lead. 30 minutes from now, you're not going to want to miss this one. We've got the Graz joining extra innings for a conversation that starts off hour number two, coming up at eight o'clock right here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. But earlier this week, Stacey Rost and myself, we sat down with ESPN.com senior baseball writer David Schoenfield to talk about this Mariners team and just how improbable of a turnaround this has been. Also, who does he see in the American League emerging as a World Series contender? Well, let's take a listen to what David Schoenfield had to say. It's absolutely crazy. In fact, I pulled up, I did some homework for you guys. Oh, On July 19th, nice. Seattle 47-48, and 48, 10 games behind the Rangers. According to fan graphs, their odds of winning the division at that point, 2.5%. Gosh. And they wiped that out in a little over a month. It's absolutely incredible. Obviously, they've had some help with the Rangers struggling. But I think back in April, this is the potential everybody saw in this team, right? Great rotation, Mm -hmm. a good, you know, above-average lineup. Nobody thought this was going to be the best lineup in the league, you know, and it struggled. And the bullpen, I think we all had some questions, you know, at the start of the year, and it's been certainly the last two months the best bullpen in the league. David, what do you think has been the biggest key to this turnaround for the Mariners? Yeah, I go to the offense, right? You know, we saw how they just struggled to consistently score runs the first half of the year, you know, and I know probably last time I was on with you guys, I was like, well, look, Julio's not as good as he was last year. Ty France isn't as good as he was as last year. Suarez was, you know, below last year. Teoscar Hernandez, he was with Toronto, but he wasn't hitting 
as well he did as, as last year, you know. So like those are, that was your meat of your order and they were all below what we expected at the start of the year. So at that point there were some, you know, regression to the positive that you were hoping for. And certainly that's what we've seen. And Julio, of course, has been uh, the best player in baseball. Well, Mookie, Mookie Betts is having a great August. Yeah. Julio's been the best player in the American League. Uh, if we're looking at kind of who this team is, I'm glad you said kind of like regressed in a good way to like who they could be. A conversation, David, that Curtis and I were just having is, okay, is this who they are and who they've been all along? Or are they a good team that got really hot? I mean, do you see this as okay, this can be a true reflection of the Mariners or, hey, the Mariners are way better than they were in the first half, but they are just playing really hot right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair question. Certainly, uh, what, you know, 6-1 and against the Royals. They played the White Sox. And those two teams are terrible, right? But they swept Houston in the middle of all all that, you know. So, um, I think it's a reflection. Look, are they going to win nine out of ten the rest of the way? No, you know they're going to lose a series again at some point. But um, I think this is kind of who we thought they were, and it's easy just to say Julio got hot and everybody around him got hot. But you know that's kind of what's happened. The rotation's been pretty consistent all year, so you do point to the offense and. And the bullpen, I know, you know, my my Mariner friends were a little nervous anytime Andres Munoz or Matt Brash come in. But um, for the most part, they've done the job. And I think Seattle has the best bullpen ERA over since July 1st. So you can't really quibble too much. David, you uh, or a lot of us talked about the Paul Seawald trade following the trade deadline. Uh, it still kind of is a, a big topic that we just kind of go back to every couple days. And the Mariners <laughs> have gotten great contributions from Josh Rojas and Dominic Canzone. How do you view that trade now a month after the fact? Uh, because there was a lot of hand-wringing from Mariners fans yeah. once you know you trade a, a great closer like Paul Seawald and get a couple of guys that not a lot of people out here know about, but it, it feels like this trade has worked wonders for the Mariners ever since it was made. Yeah, it's look, it's hard to argue. I didn't like the trade at the time, you know, because um, I, I did have concerns about sort of the other guys stepping up in, into a bigger role. You know, Munoz, he hasn't been quite what he was last year. Uh, Matt Brash, you know, he's kind of, inconsistent I'll say some bad luck I think but uh, but it's hard to argue I mean I'm looking at Josh Rojas 801 OPS since he's come over and remember they weren't getting anything from second base Colton Long was hit what he hit 150 or whatever and um, Canzone's been pretty good you know league average hitter and, and I think the important thing there they both hit left-handed and I know as Jerry DePoto said at the time they had to get better from the left side or get more left-handed hitters in the lineup. And that was obvious. So that's created some, some much needed balance in the lineup. Um, how much does weather play a factor? I know that sounds silly, but it's been a conversation people have been throwing around here in Seattle because they've just been trying to make sense of a, a very slow first, I don't even want to say half. I mean, it was a, almost 100 games into the season. We were watching this offense just continue to struggle. Is this just kind of like, hey, it, it's late summer, it's hot, and it's just, you know, somehow hitting becomes easier? Do you actually see that as a factor? 
It, yeah, I mean, sure, right? It, there's no doubt in Seattle and April and in the, I think you guys had a rainy spring as well, you know, wet and damp. Um, sure, that that affects the ball, you know, but at the same time, you got to factor in that helps the pitching staff too, you know, so you can't give the hitters uh, credit for, or, you know, discredit them for their slow starts and not credit the pitches for having help. So it's all part, both teams are playing in the same weather. So I don't view that as a, as a plus or a minus in how you evaluate the team. David, in the National League, it feels like the Braves and Dodgers are just leaps and bounds better than everybody else. Like It feels like it's going to come down to one of those two teams winning the National League pennant. In the American League, though, pretty much every team that is in a, a spot to clinch the postseason has has some warts. In the American yeah. League, is there any team that stands out to you as one that you would, would bank on come October? No, it's going to be a really fun uh, American League playoff, you know, especially Baltimore, it, Felix Bautista, you know, you guys know how good he is in the ninth inning there, unhittable. Um, he just went on the IL with, with an elbow injury. It doesn't sound good. You don't want to speculate, but, you know, if he's not ready for October, that's a huge, huge loss because obviously the Orioles rely so much on their bullpen, you know, their starting rotation isn't anything to, to brag about. So, they have the best record, but certainly they're beatable. Tampa Bay, they're still only two games behind, even though their starting rotation has just been ravished by, by injuries. You know, um, Texas looked great. Now they don't look so great. And, but, you know, in Houston, you want to face them? No, not really. Um, and I would, if Toronto gets in, I wouldn't want to face them either. So it's wide, it's wide, wide open um, in the AL. Uh, sticking to the AL and sticking to the AL West, in fact, uh, David, you mentioned uh, the Rangers, and I want to stick on them for a second because while I don't want to take away from what the Mariners have done, which is play amazing baseball, 9-1 and one over the last 10, the Rangers going 1-9 and nine over the last 10 is also part of yeah. that. What the heck is happening? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I was looking at them the other day. They certainly have had problems with their late-game bullpen. Will Smith blew a couple games. So I know over the weekend they put a Roldis Chapman in as the closer, and he blew a lead in the ninth inning yesterday and they ended up losing in extra innings. So, uh, you know, you guys know, we, if your longtime Mariner fans will know when you can have a great team and a bullpen can let you down. Those of us who were here in the late 90s remember those, those years, um, unfortunately. So Texas, great team, but – bullpen issues and that can that's been their big uh, big hiccup of late sticking in the al west the big news last week around baseball was uh shohei otani's elbow injury and just how do you see that impacting his free agency do you think that will take a significant portion of, of the money that was expected to go to him off the table or do you think there's still going to be a team uh, out there that is going to want to pay top dollar for him yeah, it's going to be fascinating. His free agency was going to be fascinating before, and in a way it's going to be even crazier now because we don't know how teams are going to evaluate him. Obviously, we're going to have to wait and see what he decides to do with, with his elbow. Is he going to have Tommy John surgery? Will he try to um, just rehab it and, and pitch through it if it's not a complete tear? Um, but, yeah, I think – 
I'll go with what my ESPN colleague Buster Olney suggested is you could see a scenario where he gets a base amount as a DH and that's, he's probably worth close to 300 million just as a hitter. That's how good he's been this year. And then the pitching sort of half of the contract could be all incentive based, you know, based it on the number of starts he makes or how many innings, um, so it could be, you know, a $350 million guaranteed, and then he could still get up to, you know, $500 million, you know, with incentives. On the other hand, I'll throw this out too. What if Otani's like, I'll sign a two-year deal, DH next year, come back in 2025 and, you know, be the two-way player, prove that I'm healthy, and then enter free agency again, you know, that's a possibility as well. Make sure you're reading David Schoenfield at ESPN.com and make sure you're downloading extra innings at SeattleSports.com or the Seattle Sports app. Make sure also if you want to join in on the conversation, the Mac and Jacks text line is there for you, 866-979-3776. On the other side of the break, Ryan Roland Smith joined me on the postgame show yesterday to talk about 21 wins in the month of August. It still sounds weird saying it out loud. And also, Teoscar Hernandez has been lifting this Mariners offense over the course of the last month. We get Ryan Roland Smith's take on that as well. Still, lots to get to in this hour. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You are listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Go to the count and Allen. Here we go. The 0-2 on the way, swinging a fly ball into left center field. Dylan Moore on the run. Also there, Canzone. Canzone makes the catch. The ball game is over. The Mariners have won more games in any calendar month than any team in franchise history. The Mariners win it 5-4, their 21st win here in August, and the Mariners set some history right here at T-Mobile Park. We're about 15 minutes away from hour number two. We'll be joined by the Graz to start off 8 o'clock. We'll also hear from Jerry DePoto, who joined Seattle Sports earlier in the day to discuss everything going on with the Mariners, including Julio, his availability on this upcoming road trip, George Kirby's availability as well. And then we'll also hear from John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, on what he makes of this Mariners turnaround, how they have gotten so hot here in the season's second half and have set themselves up for a September to remember. That is all coming your way in the 8 o'clock hour. By the way, if you've missed any second or any hour of any show, make sure you're downloading it at the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Ryan Roland Smith, friend of the station. Root Sports is Ryan Roland Smith. He's also on the Mariners Radio Network, Mariners analyst, top-notch Aussie as well. He joined me on the postgame show yesterday to talk about this Mariners ball club, to talk about Teoscar Hernandez and the incredible run that he has been on, a run that I think may be getting overshadowed by Julio Rodriguez, who had uh, a the August of a lifetime. Teoscar's right there with him, but also just how hard it is to get 21 wins in a single month, something that no other team in Mariners franchise history had done prior to yesterday's game. Well, let's take a listen to my conversation with Ryan on yesterday's postgame show where I asked him, how crazy is it that this team has rattled off 21 wins in the month of August? Yeah, it's insane. Even last night, too. You know, They, they dropped that game last night to the the uh, the, the Athletics. And you're thinking to yourself, man, like, I can't believe they lost because you just get so used to this team just taking care of 
some of the bad teams, but you're you're facing even with some of these 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 teams that are really struggling, right? The Royals and the Athletics. You, you're going to come across some young prospect with nasty stuff. Is about to you know have a 15 year major league career. You're going to come across you know some lightning rod in the middle of a lineup that can beat you in one swing of the bat. So all these little things, even though you're facing a team that doesn't win a whole lot, there's so many different elements, factors that um, you know lead to losses. And and you know Scott Service talked about it. You know it's it's so tough. You're not always going to win the first two games of a series, and then you get to that third game, that rubber match. There's so many different little things that happen in regards to how you use your bullpen. So with all that being said, it's pretty amazing. 21 wins in a month is is pretty crazy. It is. And uh, today, win number 21, a 5-4 victory over the Oakland A's. Ryan, on the postgame show last night, you detailed what you wanted to see from Bryce Miller today. Uh, When you look at his performance over those six innings, uh, were you satisfied with what you saw? I mean, it got off to a slow start, but then he really settled into a groove and looked nice uh, at the end of his day. Yeah, he did. And, you know, usually when you face a team for the third time and then you get to a, a situation where you're facing hitters second, third time through, he's so fastball dominant and for good reason. But what happens is, you know, especially if you have a young hitter, they're sitting fastball, right? And they can react to his slider at the moment. I'm not saying it's there's still so much room for that pitch to be better, that, that breaking ball he throws. But they're sitting fastball and they can really recognize that slider as well. So, well, a couple of things I like to see you know, with Bryce Miller. First of all, it gives up that three spot early in the game. His pitch count is starting to, to, to get up there. He knows before he even steps foot in the dugout and then goes out for his warm-up tosses, he knows how thin the bullpen is. Obviously, Luke Weaver uh, going three-plus three innings uh, yesterday and they're, they're down an arm and everything else. He knows that. So he goes out and he starts to struggle a little bit. Then he starts adjusting. And I love it, too. I, I mentioned this on the TV side. He... Got to the sixth inning, and you could start to see him start to, 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 to get that two-seamer across as well. It's just another weapon. Not because he's constantly going for swings and misses. He's getting in some tough counts, hitter's counts, and he's able to. They're sitting on that fastball. They pick it up. It has that little bit of a get-underneath-the-barrel factor to it, and then you get some cheap outs. So when he starts to learn you know, some of these little you know, nuances of pitching, besides the fact he can run that fastball at the top of the strike zone, 96, He's going to be in good shape. So there's so much to like, man. And I keep going back to this as well. He he went through that stretch where he was starting to deplete, right? He's starting to get fatigued. His velo dropped. They gave him that time off, you know, with the blister and everything else. He comes back, and he was kind of on the fence. Like, he could have gone two ways. And he just continues. The fastball velocity starts to creep, you know, back up to 95s, 96s. And so he's getting better as these these big games that are so crucial – especially being down Emerson Hancock, Brian Wu, who just came back. He's on short rest. He's been so crucial in the middle of that rotation. So good to see you today. He gave up the three the three spot, and he bounced right back. You and I have maybe talked about this before on a post-game show, but what's it like getting the ball uh, on your start and your manager or your pitching coach tells you, hey, man, we need at least six from you. We need at least seven from right. you. Does it does it play in the back of your mind when you're out there? Maybe if you run into some trouble early, like oh, I don't know if I'm going to get there, or uh, I think I think I might got it. I think I might get it here. Yeah. So you know, uh, okay. So I think about this all the time because it's happened to me before, and there's been times where I've just been shelled early, and I just have to stay out there. You're just the the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, if a team's just absolutely crushing, right? But 
a couple of things. Number one, yeah, you, you're well aware of where your bullpen's at because they're your buddies, right? You know exactly what they're going through. And, you know, the fact that you got Isaiah Campbell and, you know, Matt Brash had to back it up again today. And some of these guys who've gone multiple days with multiple innings, it's hard, man. You know how sore they are. So you think about it before the game, your play's on your mind, then you get in a groove and, and then you just forget about it. And then all of a sudden you start rolling through innings like, oh, I'm good here. But the other, the second time you will think about it is exactly when he gave up that three spot. When he's getting in these deep counts, he's going 2-0 to every hitter. That's when it starts to play on your mind. That's when you can start to hear the voices of do better to get through this inning, uh, be more efficient, all these little voices in your head that tell you you're trying to pick up your team. So they're the two times it happens. I guarantee, and that's back to my point too with Bryce, the fact he went through that second inning, even in the third inning, he's going to have some hard contact but able to push through, thinking he's probably going to get five, and he stretches it to six. It was really, really good to see. Ryan, uh, one last one for me today. I mean, one of the biggest hits of the day uh, was the Teoscar Hernandez home run, uh, just a line drive into the bullpen. I mean, he has been just incredible in the season second half, uh, yeah. really playing up to the expectations I think a lot of us had for him uh, in the early part of the season. Uh, what are you seeing from him that has allowed him to kind of unlock this facet of his game? Because uh, he is a, a force in that lineup right now. And it's in, in yeah. doubly important today because Julio was out again. Hey, from, from T. Oscar. Um, first of all, uh, secondary pitches. So he's still swinging and missing a ton. But he's getting behind the count. For example, he's getting into 0-1, 0-2 counts. And he's doing a ton of damage when he's behind the count. That's number one. And, and number two, the big one, you know, the secondary pitchers being able to identify him and getting, if, if he gets a mistake, good luck. I mean, that was a change up that was kind of just floating out over the plate. I mean, that was just, you know, when you, when you throw that pitch to a guy like Oscar Hernandez, all this, as soon as he left that ball game, like, oh, 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 no, oh, no. But there was times early in the year where he was so second guessing himself. You see him miss a breaking ball by three feet. And he's getting in bad counts. It was just an easy, you get ahead in the count, boom, I'm going to throw this breaking ball, and you strike three. So the difference is what he can do when he's behind in the count. I think he's trusting himself a little bit better. He's laying off that one pitch that he game plan in the back of his mind, says, you know what, I know I'm getting a breaking ball in this count. I'm going to lay off it. I'm going to force him to throw in the strike zone. If he throws in the strike zone, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty confident. I'm going to, I'm going to crush this ball in, into the gap somewhere over the fence. So, I think they're the biggest differences, I think, from, from Teo. And I think also, too, I think he's just taking the pressure off himself. And that sounds super cliche. I, I think that coming over to the Mariners early on, he wanted to go. He's a free agent. He wanted to go hit 40 home runs. And you can just kind of tell he's just kind of eased into where he's familiar with who's around him. He's made some really uh, you know, close friends on this team. He's settled in. He's kind of he's listening to different approaches. Uh, di- different, you know, di- different philosophies on approach, and he's just settled in. I think he just, I, I think there's more ease to his swing too, and he's not so caught up in the fact he's a free agent or tearing it up and having to hit 40 for everyone. Ryan Roland Smith joining us on the post game show for just a few more moments. Ryan, Mariners head out now for a 10 game road trip, which starts on Friday. They uh, fly to New York, I believe, tonight. Uh, now, I don't know if you saw in the clubhouse today, everybody was wearing matching track suits. Everybody was wearing the Run DMC yeah, Adidas track suits. Uh, do you, when you were playing, did you guys dress up in any sort of costumes or any sort of uh, matching <laughs> outfits on the road? And if so, what were some memorable ones you, you dressed up as? 
We had, um, I believe we had, like, everyone had football jerseys on. I wore a rugby jersey, of course, just to be just to be annoying. I wore a rugby jersey, <laughs> not a football jersey. That's number one. Hey, but number two, back when I played, man, the rookies, you had to get dressed up in some outfit. That's so right. I had this, like, yeah, I had to wear, like, I was like this cowboy with my little horse. It was so bizarre. And we had to walk, we had to walk, we got to San Francisco, and we had to walk, like, two miles to where the team party was at. And so we had everyone dressed up in all different outfits. You can't do that anymore. But they're the most memorable ones for me. But I love it when you see the guys, you know, Julio hooked everyone up with these track suits, which, I mean, I, I don't know what that cost him or if Adidas just hooked him up. But it's pretty sweet, man. I'd, I'd love to be on that team. If you just got called up, you know, a week or so ago, you're like, oh, sweet, I'm, I'm getting hooked up by a tracksuit from a guy who's going to be a superstar slash Hall of Famer. I'll probably frame this put up my, up on my wall because in the future, this guy's going to be one of the best players in baseball. He's already, but I'm saying in history. So I think it's pretty cool. I love it when teams do that, when they dress up and do fun stuff like that. It just takes, takes uh, you know, it, it, it brings the mood up, that's for sure, the vibe of the club up, that's for sure. Ryan Roland Smith's always bringing the vibe up when he joins the post game show. You know who else brings the vibe up? It's the Graz. He joins me next year on Extra Innings. Do not go anywhere. This is Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.